Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Brian Kiley. I have the pleasure of being the minister here. And we hope that you feel welcome here, especially if this is your first time. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual, questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice as best we can. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. So we gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility that we hold, and a relationship that we are obliged to continue. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to our children. If you're new here, we invite you to stay afterwards for coffee. Uh, Many of you have already noticed that the youth are having a bake sale. If you brought baking in with you, I will not be offended if you eat it here and then go buy more afterwards. Uh, They're using that money to uh, fund a trip to Nova Scotia for a national conference next May. So please be generous. So we invite you to stay for coffee. There's also a birthday cake, apparently. You'll hear about that in a minute. If you haven't already done so, take a look at our newcomer table. There's lots of literature to help you get to know us a little bit better. We have a very special guest musician today, a friend of the congregation for many years, back when he was pretty much only a busker at city markets. Now he's like booking out the Windspear Center, you know, so it's really cool. And uh, speaking of birthday cakes, he is here at the invitation and the expense of Michelle Vandermullen, whose birthday it is. So we thank her. And I'd like to invite Martin to treat us to a prelude, please. This song is called... What are we hiding from? We have crossed the seas together Breathe the ocean breeze together Watch the moon just wondering Whether we would ever go there Why is it so hard to say Things right in my heart The way I feel Now you're so far away I wish that I could hold your hand Way back when the sun shone And the waves never ended We sang out and our voice rang house by the 
by the tracks of the wee brown otters who were lazing in the lake over the hill. And I wondered, could we watch them still? If we don't see Thank you, Martin. That's, you know, um, we've done this, what, six, seven times over the years, plus some other services. We never connect. We never talk about what's going on. And he always picks music that fits in with my service theme. So thank you. I'd like to invite you to join in opening words. It's a responsive reading. You'll find it in the back of your hymn book, number 444. This house, 444. And if you would read the italicized portions. This house is for the ingathering of nature and human nature. It is a house of friendships and even in trouble, and open room for the encouragement of our struggle. It is a house of freedom, guarding the dignity and worth of every person. It is a house of truth-seeking, where scientists can encourage devotion to their quest, where mystics can abide in a community of searchers. It is a house of prophecy, outrunning times past and times present, 
in visions of growth and progress. I'd like to invite the birthday girl, Michelle Vandermolen, to come forward and light our chalice today, please. It is the Remembrance Day weekend, so in honor of those who have served and those who continue to serve at home and abroad for peace and in war, we light our chalice and we offer our thanks. Thank you, Michelle. Our first hymn this morning is number 188, Come, Come, Whoever You Are. As often happens, without communicating with Gordon, uh, I'm going to tell you and remind you, many of you will know this, but this uh, wonderful Rumi poem actually comes with another line. Uh, the verse is quite wonderful, Come, Come, Whoever You Are, very welcoming. But there's a, uh, another piece to it um, that can be sung as a drone line that starts... Though you've broken your vows a thousand times. Though you've broken your vows a thousand times. So I'm going to do that three times, and anybody who wishes to join in. And then Gordon will start the melody. Will that work? Sure. Okay. Though you've broken your vows a thousand times. Though you've broken your vows a thousand times. Though you've broken your vows a thousand times. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, ours is no caravan of despair. Come yet again, come, 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 whoever you are. Wanderer, worshipper, lover of leaving, ours is no caravan of despair. Come, yet again, come. Come, come, whoever you are. Wanderer, worshipper, lover of leaving, ours is no caravan of despair. Come, yet again, come. Thank you. I forgot about the standing up part. But I always find it a little richer when I remember that drone song because there's an element of not just welcome but forgiveness that I quite like. It is Remembrance Day tomorrow. I celebrate that my poppy has stayed on this long. And I have this prayer written by a colleague, Heather Januels. Spirit of life and love, God of memory, mourning, and history, bring before us the truths of serving in war. Bring before us, in compassion and gratitude, those who faced violence so that we may know peace. We remember these sacrifices through monuments. We remember these names carved into stone. Inscribe them on our hearts this day. Inscribe them on our conscience every day. So, like the stone that bears their names, freedom from violence may endure in our nation and around the world. Amen. I am reminded, you know that little Facebook memories thing that pops up for you? That a couple of years ago I posted a photograph I took of um, the famous grieving lady, um, at the monument at Vimy Ridge. 
that has thousands of names. And I dare anybody to stand in front of that monument and not find themselves choked up. It doesn't matter how you feel about peace and how you feel about war. Uh, It doesn't matter how you feel about soldiers. When you understand that people went, suffered, died, sometimes very, very horribly, sometimes lingering from disease, all kinds of things. When you understand and see that sacrifice right before you, it is so powerful that it really transcends whether you're a pacifist or a militarist or whatever. It's, it's an understanding of people coming together. Yeah, sometimes they're conscripted, but coming together for whatever reason and doing the best they can for the person beside them, for the people at home, and maybe paying the ultimate sacrifice. I hate war. I have no one in my family tree except possibly an Irish Revolutionary Army guy. But no one in my family tree has ever served in the military. And yet, I see those names, I see those poppies, and I am caught up in just the history of it all as much as anything else. So let us honor Remembrance Day. Amen. And let us cough up some money. Uh, Each week we take an offering to support the work of this church. We invite your generosity. And each week we always uh, take half of the unidentified cash, the loose cash that comes in the plate, and we give that away to an outside organization. And sometimes it's national, and sometimes it's local, sometimes it's international. But for the month of November, and we have been doing this for as long as we have been doing this, we collect money to support the CBC Turkey Drive. So we invite you to uh, give generously, while you listen to Martin play some music. Since giving is a joyous act, I thought we'd have a, uh, a fun song for it. You can definitely sing along. I don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about science. As we receive the offering, (laughs) 
Let us catch up to receiving the offering by singing the words that are printed in your order of service. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share from this we live. You I receive, to you I give, together we share and from this we live. We thank you for your generosity. Hymn number four is a wonderful personal reflection about someone seeking calm. So I invite you to stand as you're willing or able and join in singing hymn number four, I Brought My Spirit to the Sea. Howard Thurman, 1899 to 1981, his birthday is in fact next week. He was an African-American author, philosopher, theologian, educator, and civil rights leader. As a prominent religious figure, he played a leading role in many social justice movements and organizations in the 20th century. And Thurman's Gandhian theology of radical nonviolence influenced and shaped a generation of civil rights activists. And he was a key mentor to leaders within the movement, including Martin Luther King Jr. Now, Thurman was never a Unitarian, but he is very highly regarded by generations of UU leaders. In 1956, he was invited to be the Henry Ware Lecturer at General Assembly, the highest honor North American UUs could offer a scholar or political figure. And in our present hymnal, we include two readings by him. So here I am offering a sermon on finding yourself first, the start of a month-long theme of finding each other, and I'm opening with a historical reference to a long-dead theologian who wasn't even one of us. Why? Well, in addition to his civil rights work and his devotion to nonviolence, Thurman was a deeply spiritual man. He would have liked that last hymn. But he was one who was slightly out of step with the orthodox Christianity of his day. He believed in God and in prayer, but he saw both in a very different way than his Christian counterparts. Thurman had a very strong humanist streak. 
He seemed to believe that everything divine, including all help we can ever expect, already resides inside of us. Several times over the years, I've made reference to his description of prayer, one that I've personally embraced. Those of you who are regulars will recognize this. Prayer, he said, was an inward journey across a great interior sea. And in the center of that sea is a small island. And in the center of that island is a small temple. And in the center of that temple, a flame burns. That's where your prayers go. Inside of you. Inside of me. We ask the divine spark that is us for help. We may ask our truest selves. Outside, we're, of course, going to need help with tasks and all sorts of activities. We can't do everything all by ourselves. But if we can only let ourselves discover this inner flame and embrace it, then the message, the reassurance, the strength will be there for us when we need it. So he held that the divine was actually in us, of us, part of us. Perhaps you do too, or perhaps you don't. That's minor, actually. What's important is Thurman's inward journey to the core of selfhood. That's, that's where we're centered, balanced, and able to recover strength in tough times. The challenge is finding our way there. Sometimes we make that journey hardy for ourselves by hanging up thick, obscuring curtains that block our path. Curtains of doubt and disillusion and delusion. You can see that for him, prayer doesn't arise to some ill-defined heavenly place. He's also saying that the divine spark is not external to us, but rather it is us, has always been us, will always be in us. We just have to clear away all the barriers we put up, like so many layers of curtains that keep us from finding the path to that center. In essence, Thurman is saying that we've got to find ourselves first. That's where the strength is. He writes, in the stillness of the quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, hope to despair. It's a really radical thought, isn't it? Everything that we need to live well, we already have. We just have to find it, believe in it, unlock it, and let ourselves be guided by it. But there is an implication that it doesn't just spring up for us. We've got to seek out that strong spiritual center. Or to put it another way, we have to push away the crap that we add on in our lives, the rationalized perceptions we have about our mistakes and triumphs, the overblown or underblown images about how we look or how competent we are or about how we have been hurt. We have to push away the weight of guilt that we may carry. Now, some of that guilt might be real, and we can make amends and apologies, do our best, whether they're accepted or not, and then know that we have done everything we can. And then there's the false guilt that gets laid upon us by others. 
We have to push through these burdens and the pain that comes with it. Because on the other side of that curtain, we may find our true selves again. There are other obstacles. We get wrapped up in outward things like jobs we have or think we should have. There's school. There are relationships. In each of these areas, we may find ourselves defined by others or distracted by circumstances, by outward events. And if we're strong enough, we hang up those curtains too and lose further touch with our inner core. We lose ourselves in the expectations of others. Thurman suggests, there is something in every one of you that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. It is the only true guide you will ever have. And if you cannot hear it, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that someone else pulls. I live with three teenagers. What a volatile time that is. They're exploring what it means to be edging towards adulthood. What does it mean to, be, to build friendships? Maybe even fall in love for the first time. What does it say about a person's quality as a human being when the first relationship falls apart? What do they do with the growing awareness of the world around them, especially its previous unseen imperfections and flaws? It's as if teens are all strings, one great big ball of string ends waiting to be tugged by some outward entity. And they're growing up so fast that it's hard to keep up with all the change. It's very difficult to find their inner calm in the midst of all this chaos. If you can remember your own teen years, you may recall that it could be a harsh time. A time when social filters and graces had not been mastered by you or by others around you. It's awkward. It's a time of harsh judgments, both of self and of others. Childhood please and thank you manners have been replaced by cutting remarks and even bullying, given and received. There can be disillusion. All of this can be intensely distracting from this inner self. The adult self, still largely undiscovered, is only forming. And it's buffeted by all kinds of external forces. Many times, a false understanding of who you are is given or taken by others. And we become, in part, what others want us to be, or indeed, what we are told we should be. Life is pretty judgmental. Finding that still small voice within in those years between teens and adulthood can be very difficult. Says Thurman, it's very easy to sit in judgment upon the behavior of others, but often difficult to realize that every judgment is self-judgment. As we move into adulthood, perhaps one of the hardest things growing out of that phase is letting our strings uh, go, stopping letting ourselves be manipulated so easily. And many of us just don't or can't. We get used to being pulled in different directions. It becomes normal. 
It becomes familiar. It becomes just the way things are. And that self-image gets pushed farther and farther away. Some of us not only have our strings pulled, we go out of our way to find people to pull them whenever they're left dangling. We get used to being treated in a certain way and come to think that that's how it ought to be. It can be unbalanced relationships or family expectations, a drive to succeed in a chosen or imposed career. And with each passing day, unless we have been attentive and mindful all along, we get a little farther away from that person we really are. Maybe the hardest word to learn and to speak with conviction is no. No is the word that can tear down those obstructing curtains. We've all encountered articles and books, right? Reminding us to set good boundaries, not let ourselves to be pulled in directions into actions that make us uncomfortable, not to be pulled without our consent. We are encouraged to say no some of the time. And still we so often let ourselves get pulled this way and that way. And we even convince ourselves that this is what we wanted all along. We become not ourselves, but the person we have learned to be. I guess it works for some people, but I worry that each time it happens, we lose just a little bit more of our true selves. We get farther and farther away from that temple on the island where the fire of our spirits burn. Finding that place gets harder the longer we ignore it or stay away from it or fail to seek it. We can become someone else's image of ourselves as child, spouse, parent, or worker. Each new identity we take on has the potential, but only the potential, to add another barrier between us and ourselves. So, does Mr. Thurman have a quote or comment that speaks to that part? Of course he does. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Sounds easy. It's not, of course. Nothing ever is. Asking what makes you come alive is a long process of discernment for most of us. Often there are false starts distractions. It takes brutal honesty with ourselves. Look at life now. Do I have what I want? Is this what I want? What would the life I want look like? And be wary of the easy answers that pop up. Test them rigorously. Don't let an illusory change become yet another curtain hanging between you and your true self. That last two sentences, those are for me. I go, I know what I want. I know what I'm going to do. I I, I know. Sit with each idea for a while. Research it. Try it out a little bit if you can. Ask yourself if this trial really feels okay or if it's something we just desperately want to be okay. Stay grounded. Head towards something, but don't lose your balance reaching for it or overreaching for it. Sit with each new idea for a little while. 
Feel your breathing, your heart rate. Ask if this is nourishing that inner flame or perhaps responding to the call of that inner flame. Understand that making the change will take courage and strength to overcome the doubt that will inevitably arise when we step out of a comfort zone. Says Thurman, there is a quiet courage that comes from an inward spring of confidence in the meaning and significance of life. Such courage is an underground river flowing far beneath the shifting events of one's experience, keeping alive a thousand little springs of actions. We just have to intentionally seek it out. Amen. Well, this is obvious even for me. As we prepare to enter a time of meditation and quiet, I invite you to join hymn number 391, Voice Still and Small. Words are by Howard Thurman. In the quietness of this place, surrounded by the all-pervading presence of the Holy, my heart whispers, keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve that in good times or in tempests, I may not forget that to which my life is committed. Keep fresh before me the mountains of my high resolve. Let us embrace silence together. Use the ones to update the program. And always click on try again tomorrow. Because that's not what I need. God wants to be. Summer's almost over. Haven't got around to planting the seeds. What have I been away for all this time? What am I complaining for? Falls on mine. I can cross the bridge if someone else pays for. Won't somebody send an update? Oh, 
have I not stolen an update to my soul for a sermon title? <laughs> Our closing hymn this morning. Let's get rousing. Number 348, Guide My Feet. 348. Chalice is extinguished, but its light lives on in the minds and the hearts and the souls of each one of you. So carry it with you when you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, and most especially with those you've yet to meet. It is our tradition in this congregation to join hands and sing, carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again. And then we all sit down and listen to Martin. Okay, not every week.
<laughs> it's been lovely to see you all again. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm not sure how many more times we'll be partners in crime up here. Right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, but uh, I feel very blessed to be here with you, and uh, I'm sure you feel very blessed to have uh, Reverend Kylie speaking to you on a Sunday with such eloquence and, uh, and love. Um, so there's much to celebrate, um, though it feels somewhat strange to, to celebrate on Remembrance Sunday, but there is much to celebrate um, as we remember um, all that was given and all that was uh, sacrificed. Um, there's many amazing people here and many ma amazing people that we're remembering. So this is a song called You're Amazing, and it's a fun one that, that we can sing together.
someone has to wander words around to get to the point, I really have to congratulate you on getting to that song title from where you started. <laughs> that was a work of art in itself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Gordon, for playing the hymns. Thank you, Ruth, the Optimus Sound Booth, and you guys in the Ushers, and Claire making coffee. It's been a wonderful time. And uh, if uh, him being really nice to me, we have some newcomers here, him being really nice to me, I'm retiring at the end of January. So those of you who are here for the first time. So thank you.